So I went through that and explained it. I gave the invitation. And there were some people there that trusted Christ as Savior. Four or five, not a lot, but four or five of them trusted the Lord. So it was all over with, and I'm standing there for, you know, minding my own business like I always do. And these four guys come up to see me. They all had beards. I thought, Mennonites. Mennonites. Or Quakers or something. So they came up to me and they says, um, we enjoyed what you had to say. And I said, well, thank you. Says, um, we're from Minnesota, a place called Dora Lake, way up north. So we want to know if you'd come up there and, and have a revival meeting for our church. I said, sure. I didn't know where it was going to be. I, sure, I'll go. Anyway, I talked to them for a little bit, found out that they were hunters that had been up in Montana. They made a vow that they're not, they're not going to shave until they get their elk. <laughs> That's why they had these beards. <laughs> they hadn't got anything yet. So anyway, they said, would you come up in the spring? Because this was in about October. I said, sure, I'll go. Anyway, I thought I'll never hear from them. And lo and behold, I did hear from them. About three months later, they called me up and asked me, says, uh, you remember us up here in Minnesota? I said, yes, sir. Would you come up here? I said, yes, I will. So anyway, I asked the preacher there at the church where I was going. His name was Archie Yetter. He was the pastor of the church, and uh, he was now the president of the uh, uh, Rotmont Bible College that was started by Clifton L. Fowler that led Ray Stanford to the Lord. Amazing how it all worked. But anyway, uh, I says, what, what, do, what do they believe? He says, well, he says, uh, they got a pretty good doctrinal statement. It was a Christian and Missionary Alliance church. Says that, uh, that their doctrinal statement is pretty good. He said, but you have to find out what the individual church believes and stands. Okay. So anyway, it was the pastor who wanted me to come up there. The other three guys, I didn't know that. I just knew that one of them was a pastor. So it was in March, and I go up there for this meeting. It's winter conditions. I'm driving along. The pastor didn't pick me up, and the, the snow banks are high as the car. And we're boogieing down the road, and I couldn't see no houses. I couldn't even see roads. So we finally pulled into this little old church. And he says, well, we're there. Oh, boy. I says, where's, where's the people live? He says, they're around. Now, there was no light in this town. I don't think there was a crossroad in this town. Just one road off the main road. And they lived on the side. So that Sunday morning, I got up there and I preached. And I preached on how you can know you have eternal life. I only have one message. I just changed the title. <laughs> I can't think of anything better, so I always just hang with what works. Now, since you've heard me, I only got one sermon. I just keep changing the title. That's all it is. It's just the same thing. So, Hank did the same thing, if you'll notice him. So we just use just verses to bring out the same thing. And so I preached, and a couple people trust the Lord. And uh, after the service was over this year, one preacher stood up. And I know he was a preacher at the time. He says, I just want you to know, I disagree with what you're teaching. He said, but you're the guest speaker, and I'm not going to come to the meetings because I don't want to be any trouble, no conflict. So I just will not come to the meetings. I said, well, thank you. 
I thought that was very nice of him to let me know right up front. He said, I was a false prophet. Well, that afternoon, he went and told everybody not to come to the meetings, that I'm a false prophet. Well, they had never heard a false prophet before. <laughs> that night, the church was packed. <laughs> and get this, seven preachers showed up. And they had warned their people, and they called them up, don't go. But they came because they wanted to see this false prophet. It's amazing how God can work. And so I had little questions and answers at the beginning before I was start my service. So as I opened up for questions and answers, these guys would ask these questions. What about James chapter 2? I said, what about James chapter 2? I mean, I knew where they were going. But I've had enough youth meetings to know that James chapter 2, ah, faith without works is dead. So anyway, I just preached a sermon that not long ago. You need to get that message. Anyway, I, uh, I explained James chapter 2, and they would try to quote a verse of like, I, well, I, I just came out of Bible college. I finished the verse for them. He says, somewhere in the Bible it talks about blah, blah, blah. I said, you mean in blah, 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 and blah, 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 blah. And I tell them where it was found. I wasn't trying to be smart. I was just trying to help them out. And finally, one guy stood up and says, I disagree with what you're preaching these, to these people. And... This one lady stood up and she looked over at them. And she said, well, pastor, blah, blah, blah. I want you to know I went to your church for years. And I had no clue where I was going to go when I die. And I heard this man this morning. And it made more sense to me than anything I've ever heard. More than what I understood under you for 10 years. And I trusted Christ as my Savior. And now I know I'm going to heaven when I die. She says, why don't you sit down and shut up? <laughs> Did it? Right in the meeting. Now, I didn't know he was a pastor. And it wasn't long before I found out there's seven of them here, and they all came because they were going to set me straight. They're going to teach me a lesson. Well, I didn't have enough sense to run. I'm just a 26, 7-year-old kid. But I did believe that this book is true. And I believe that salvation is a gift. And they were mad because I was telling the people that you did not have to keep the law to go to heaven. And so, each night, they would just warn everybody not to come to the meetings, and all the people kept coming. And we had people trust the Lord every night. Wednesday night, I was laying on the floor after the service that night, and we went to Jim Smith's house, and I was laying on the floor, flat on my back. I had such bad back problems back then. Uh, I had heard it when I was in Bible college, and I had to have two braces on my back. And it was so sore, and I could hardly stand up, and I was in Hertzville. So I laid there, and I was in pain and agony. And the phone rang. And, and the guy looked at me and says, Yankee, it's those uh, guys down the road. Uh, they're the ones that wants to tar and feather you and ride you out of town on a rail. Now, tar and feather I got, but I didn't know what riding out of town on a rail was. And uh, uh, they were fixing to do me some physical harm. They were furious because, see, their wives had come to the meetings. And then they would go home and tell them what the preacher said. And they said, Yankee says that, that guy named Yankee, he says you don't have to keep the Ten Commandments to go to heaven. And they knew you did. Now, they didn't keep them. They couldn't even list them. You know, thou shalt not lie, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not play marbles. Because it says in there, marble not. 
And so they didn't even know what the law was, but they knew you got to keep them, whatever they were, you got to keep them. And so they decided they're going to deal with me. And uh, they said, Yankee, they, 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 they want to they wanna meet with you. And I'm laying there on my back in agony. <laughs> I says, tell them we'll be right over. We'll do it now. I mean, if they're going to do it, do it now and get it over with. I can't live it. I mean, just the excitement of what could happen is just overwhelms me. So in fear and trembling, we went to the house. And when we got to their house, this is late on Wednesday night. And when we went in there, I had one friend with me. And that was Jim Smith. We went into the house. And it was like a low-hanging cloud in there. Now, I can't stand smoke. I can hardly breathe around smoke. I spent three months in the hospital because I almost died from smoke inhalation. And they're just smoking like crazy. But I never say anything about it. I just let them go through it, you know, do it. So I went in, walked right on in. I thought my friend was right behind me, but he had stopped at the door. <laughs> but I didn't already walked in, you know. And... And all three, there's three or four guys was in there, and they all got in my face. And they started hollering and yelling at me. So what about James chapter 2? What did it say about the Ten Commandments? And you got to keep it. And I'm just, just, just listen. I mean, they're, they're right in my face. These are loggers. These guys were, mm. You know how I built up my muscles when I was young? I used to fill the bathtub full of water, and I'd pull out the plug and then fight the current. Mm. <laughs> I had a strap and physique, then the strap broke. <clears throat> but anyway, I'm in this room, and they're in my face. And I finally, I just says, can, 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 can I say something? And they finally stopped long enough, and I says, can y'all just be quiet for a minute? Let me say something for 10 minutes. Then you can ask me any question you want. This one guy, Rodney, he looked right at me and said, 10 minutes. And then when he sat down on the couch, and that one backed up to that wall, and the other one backed up, and a couple were standing over there on my left. So I know I got 10 minutes. That was the fastest 10 minutes of my life. Seemed like I started and it was over. <laughs> but in that 10 minutes, I did my dead level best to make the gospel clear as a bell. I even did my little wallet illustration. And then at the end of it, I quoted Ephesians 2, 8, 9. It says, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God and not of works, lest any man should boast. Rodney sitting on the couch. He looked at me and he says, Can you show me that in the Bible? I said, Yes, I can. He says, Do it. So I got my Bible and I turned to Ephesians 2, 8, 9. And I stuck it under his nose. And he read it. And then he looked up. He looked at the other guys and he says, fellas, shut up. It's in the book. They didn't know what the Bible said, but whatever the Bible said, they believed it. It's like a lot of Christians. No, you believe the Bible, you just don't know what it says. But he says, I saw it in the Bible. He says, and I, he says, explain that to me again. I says, it's just like if I offered you my wallet and you accepted it, what would you have? He said, well, a wallet. If I offered you my watch. You accept it, what would you have? Well, watch. And all of a sudden, Chan, who was standing against the wall, he says, I see it, I see it, I see it. And he ran out of the house. Now, nobody at the time knew what he saw. <laughs> kind of like Tad. You don't know if he sees it or not. But he ran out of the room. And so, Rodney trusted Christ as his Savior. 
We talked a little bit, and I explained a few more things to them, and two of the other guys did not. They were still burning. So I left that night, and I went to the preacher's house, and I went to bed. That morning, the preacher knocked on the door, and, and it was early in the morning. I thought, man, I thought I'd get a chance to sleep in a little bit. But he says, uh, there's some guys downstairs that want to see you. So I quickly got dressed. <clears throat> I went downstairs. They had already been to the woods. So they go early in the morning. And they couldn't get out of their mind what had happened that night. And so they came and they wanted me to talk to a guy there by the name of Danny Adams. So there was Rodney, Chan, and Chan's son, Dan. They had been out in the woods, and they just had to put down their chainsaws, and they talked about it, and they couldn't stand it, so they came to the house and asked me if I'd talk to them. So the preacher opened up the door, and there stood these three guys, Mo, Larry, and Curly. <laughs> and they're standing there looking at me. And Rodney says, we want you to tell him what you told me last night. And Dan was standing there, like this, like, you ain't going to get me. You're not going to get me. And so they all three started to walk into the room. I said, no, 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 I just want him. So the other two stayed outside, and Dan came in, and he sat down on the couch, and he says, you're not going to get me. I said, let me just show you something. I took the Bible, and I simply showed him Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. He saw Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, and I didn't have to explain too much. But in about 10 or 15 minutes, Dan trusted Christ as Savior, knew he had eternal life, and knew he was going to go to heaven when he died. He was so excited. What had happened to his dad? The one that said, I see it, I see it. He ran out of the house. He went home. He walked into the house and says, Honey, I'm going to heaven when I die. And blankety-blank-blank you are. And she didn't say blankety-blank either. He says, no, I'm, I know I'm going to heaven. She says, you do not. You ain't no better than I am. He says, no, honey, but I, I'm going to heaven. He says, no, you're not. He says, yes, I am. He reached down on the table and picked up a candy bar. He says, here's a candy bar. Take this candy bar. She says, I don't want no candy bar. He says, take the candy bar. She says, I will not. He said, take it. So she finally, she took the candy. He said, that's the way it is. <laughs> he said, salvation is just like that. God offers it. You accept it. You got it. And Stella understood what he said. She trusted Christ as Savior. Dan came in the house. And they both says, we know we're going to heaven when you die. When we die. And he says... That Colorado preacher might have got you, but he ain't going to get me. And he cursed. And so that's why they had him over there at the house the next morning. It was an unusual story, but it was an awesome story. I saw how powerful the gospel really is. Because he didn't have to sugarcoat it, just hit it straight. And I guess if I had been sweet and kind and all sugary... I probably couldn't have done anything. But it's because I, to a lot of sense, I'm raw. I'm not a smooth, polished individual. 
If you think I am, you should have saw me then. I had a reckless abandonment to faith. I just believed it and I said it. And if you don't like it, that was tough. That was my attitude. And it, was, it, it hit hard. But it hit right between the eyes. But I don't know, maybe that's what those guys need. Now, I try to be as sweet as I can from now on. Ever since then, I've, I'm the sweetest guy you've ever met. They were going to tar and feather me. But they trusted Christ as Savior. And so the whole bunch, about 60 or 70 people trusted Christ as Savior. And they wanted to come into the church. And the older people in the church wouldn't let them. They didn't want them in their church, wouldn't let them become members in their church, and told them to leave. And these older people in the church didn't want anything to do with these new believers. And so there, there was, it was hurting, because this was moms and dads, and aunts and uncles, and their kids. But just a whole bunch of them trusted Christ as Savior. And the old ones that were in the church kept thinking, you've got to keep the law to be saved. Now, the preacher who got me up there, he believed in eternal security. But he didn't want to preach it because he didn't want to make the people mad. So he got me to do it. <laughs> and they got mad. And it wasn't long before some of the guys came over to the preacher's house. And they had been there for 10 years with this preacher. And they loved this preacher and his wife. And they got him and they pulled him outside of the church. And it was fixing to beat him up physically. And... Jim Smith and Jim Paget got over there and they stopped them. The preacher wound up leaving and went to take a church in, in Alaska. And I've been up there twice to speak for him in Alaska. His name's Floyd Seekins. But see how quickly ugliness can happen. And so the new believers, they just wound up getting them another piece of land and somebody gave them some property and they were loggers so they worked in the woods. They cut down their own trees and built their own building. Then they had a camp. And they've had that going for almost 40 years. I left there that week, and I went down to Reamer, Minnesota. Because they asked me if I would come down to Reamer, Minnesota. I'd never been to Reamer before, but I went to Reamer. When I got down there, the preacher told me, he says, um, I haven't told anybody you were coming. I said, you want me here for a week of meetings? You never told anybody I was coming? He said, nobody's going to come anyway. He said, nobody comes to church here. He said, we haven't had anybody trust the Lord here in 10 years. I says, why did, why did you have me come? He said, because i got things to do this week, and I'm, I'm leaving at the end of the week. I'm moving. I just want you to finish out, because I don't even want to preach a sermon. I says, will you walk with me to the town? So he said, sure. So we went to town. We went into this little store, and I bought me some markers and some poster board. Paid for it myself. And I put on there, son of a bootlegger, speaking, and I put it all in there. And then I said, well, now we're going to go pass them out. He said, where are you going to go? I said, let's go. We walked down the street. Here's this beer joint. <laughs> I walked right into the beer joint. He says, you're going in there? I said, yes, I am. I went into the beer joint. I said, sir, can I put this up on the window? He looked at it, son of a bootlegger. <laughs> yeah, that ought to be fun. Put it up there. So I wouldn't, because most of the stores in the town were beer joints. So anyway, I put them up. He said, nobody's going to come. Sunday morning, people came and trusted the Lord. Sunday night, more people came. Trust the Lord. Every night, and by Wednesday night, the church was packed. I mean packed. Because people would trust the Lord, and they were telling people, and more came and more came. Well, they heard about this down in Minneapolis. The head of the Christian Missionary Alliance denomination 
sent out letters warning against Ralph alias Yankee Arnold. <laughs> he is a false prophet. He's a church splitter. And they don't not to let him in churches. So if they sent that out. It went to two major denominations. I've only been out of Bible college for one year. And I've been blackballed in two major denominations. And all I did was explain the gospel. And you talk about, I mean, <laughs> it was unreal. And so the last night, Friday night, the church was packed. There was no room for anybody to sit down. And three guys walked in in suits. And the preacher's up on the platform. He leaned over and he says, see those guys coming in the back? I said, yeah. He says, they're from Minnesota. Those are the three big honchos. They come up here to deal with you. They want to meet with you after the service. He says, they say you're a false prophet. But there was no place for them to sit, so they had to go in the nursery and watch through the window. So while I'm sitting up there, I thought, I think I'm going to preach another sermon. I told the prayer, I said, I just changed my sermon. He said, what are you going to preach on? How to recognize a false prophet. I think if I'm going to get accused of it, I might as well tell them how they can recognize one. So by the time I got through, those three guys, they snuck out the back door and never talked to me or said one word to me. Back in Colorado, I mean, this thing had done blown up. And in the Evangelical Free Churches of America, they all sent a letter to Arnold Olson, who was the president of it, took over one of the positions that uh, Billy Graham had at one time. And here they had this big meeting they had to have from seven different states all come together, and they're going to have a trial. I'm, I'm going to be on trial to see whether or not am I a, a false prophet or not. And so when they were getting ready for their meeting, and I'm getting ready to walk into the room, this one little smart aleck preacher comes up to me kind of, you know, prissy-like. Oh, I hate them kind. He kind of sissified. He says, you know, we're um, going to sit in judgment on you today. We're going to find out where you stand. I says, I already know where I stand. We're going to find out where you stand. And they had to listen to all of my sermons that I had preached up there. They had copies of them. So all of them had to listen to all of my sermons that I had preached. <laughs> Salvation, long grace, predestination, you name it, but I hit it. And now here's these people from this place, they have to listen. So they wrote a letter. We find nothing wrong with this man's preaching. There's nothing wrong with what he's teaching. It is doctrinally correct. And that Arnold Olson, the head of the nomination, ought to change his letter and, uh, and apologize. But he wouldn't do it. He says, when he stops splitting churches, I'll, I'll do it. But never did. And that was 41 years ago. 41 years ago. And I have seen so many that have come out and have preached the gospel because of it. And there's people that have been affected because of that little place up there in Dora Lake where a lot of kids and adults had trusted Christ as Savior. And some of those kids that came in going to Bible college, went find the Florida Bible college. Dan Adams, the one that I led to the Lord, he was 25 years old. He wound up taking his wife and five kids to Florida Bible College. Only got there for one year, went back up there and pastored the church until he died a few years ago. Rodney Goble, I was up there last year when I did his funeral. 
He's in heaven. Chan, he died about 10 years ago. But they're, they're, they're gone now. I'm just thankful that I got there when I did. And all that happened, it's such a wonderful thing to know. I get to heaven, those three guys are going to be waiting on me up there. Chan, Dan, and Rodney Goble. And yet it was all started because of just, you know, giving the gospel and telling them that you don't have to keep the law to be saved. You don't know the ramifications and how many people are going to be affected because you made the gospel clear and simple to somebody. They may trust Christ as Savior and then they tell somebody and they tell somebody and next thing you know, families have been reached. You're affecting people. Give it a chance. Don't compromise it. Hit it and hit it hard. In love. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, what do you have to do? Take this candy bar. You take it, you got it. Christ died on the cross, paid for all of your sins. If you believe He did it for you, He put that payment to your account. You go to heaven on what He did for you. You don't earn it, don't work for it, and you can't buy it. Best news in all the world. Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, would you trust Him right now? You can't save yourself. We're not good enough. We never will be. But it's a gift. It's free. And if you will trust Jesus Christ right now as your Savior, God said He would give you right now as a free gift, eternal life. And I'd like to know it. And I'd like to have prayer for you. So with heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. I'm not going to have you forward. I'm not going to embarrass you. But I'm going to ask you in just a moment to raise your hand. Raising your hand just lets me know that you've trusted Christ as your Savior here this morning. And I'd like to have prayer for you. Anyone at all before we close, say, yes, I will trust Christ as my Savior. And preach, I'd like for you to pray for me. Would you slip it up for a quick thing? Put it right back down. Anyone at all? Just say, yes, I know I'm a sinner. I believe Christ died, paid for my sins. And I'm going to trust Him to take me to heaven. If you have trusted Christ as your Savior, you're God's child. You have within you the most powerful message in all the world. Give it a chance. Let people know. Father, thank you so much for this time together. You've been good to us. And we know that as we get closer to getting to heaven, we can see how you've worked in our lives and all the doors you've opened up. And we thank you for it, the context that's been made. Bless each one here. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.